we've been doing a uh, series on uh, healing, and as I said last week, uh, we're going to tackle the difficult question today of, uh, is it God's will for uh, me to be healed? And uh, just to do a bit of a review from last week, last week we looked at uh, a bit of healing throughout the Bible and how God uh, initially reveals himself as the healer, that one of his actual names is Yahweh Rapha, which is, I am the Lord who, who heals you. And he's talking specifically, uh, talking about physical healing. Not talking about emotional and spiritual healing. He does all that. But in this case, when he uses his name as Yahweh Rapha, he's, he's talking about he is a physical healer. We specifically looked at the ministry of, of uh, Jesus and how Jesus reveals to us the character and will of God. That if we were to want to know who God is and what his character is, then we look at Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the clearest revelation of God that we, we have. And this is what it says in John chapter 1. It says, the unique one, he's talking about Jesus, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. That Jesus is the one who shows us who God is, who testifies to who God is. And so when we have major questions... Uh, one of the first places we need to look is to Jesus, because he is the clearest revelation of God's heart uh, that we know. And we know that whatever Jesus did was also what the Father was like. Uh, Jesus himself said, whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And so as Jesus ministered on earth, he was revealing the Father's heart, he was revealing the Father's business, he was revealing to us who God really is. And because we began to talk about healing, we first asked, well, what does the life and the ministry and teaching of Jesus reveal to us about healing? And we spent pretty much our whole time just going through one gospel. We went through just one gospel, the gospel of Matthew, to look at how Jesus interacted with people who were sick, how he uh, healed the sick, what he thought about sick, uh, sickness. And, and we concluded that every single time that someone came to Jesus... He healed them. Uh, every single time the Father led him to someone, uh, Jesus healed them. There was not a, a single time in Jesus' ministry, when we look at just Jesus' ministry, where Jesus acted in the way that sometimes we think. In other words, when someone came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to be healed, Jesus never said, well, actually, it's my will for you to be sick. I'm not going to heal you. He never said that once. Jesus never looked at someone and said, actually, my best will for you is for you to is to, for you to have this disease that's really what I want. he never did that every single time he healed the person so every single person that jesus uh, was led to every single person that asked was healed and so this reveals to us the heart of god and so we concluded last week that god has a very big heart for healing that's the only conclusion you can have in a jesus ministry that when he looks at us with compassion he wants to see us healed. And we'll just pick out uh, just a couple verses, but we looked at dozens of them from that one gospel. Which has a review, Matthew 4. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed uh, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. 
In Matthew 9, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And remember that last week, that, that Jesus would be, it seemed he'd be walking, he would turn around and see these crowds of people. And he would turn around, because he had compassion on them, he turned around and he healed them. And if there is sickness and disease in you today, you can guarantee, because Jesus reveals to us God's heart, he has compassion on you. Uh, Matthew 12, a, a large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. Notice he didn't say, you know, 90% of you I want healed, but 10% of you my will is for you to be sick. He, he healed them all, every time. Uh, Matthew 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Again, this is revealing the Father's heart to us. In Matthew 15, great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. And we went through a lot of other verses, and last week we also looked at two testimonies, a very clear documented testimonies of, of healing, one of uh, stage four cancer, completely healed, bone uh, put back together. We also looked at a healing of someone's voice in the middle of the talking. He had seen over 200 doctors, uh, there was no help for him, and just as he was speaking, God laid healing on him. And, and thousands and thousands of people every single day are being healed by Jesus. Uh, uh, but, but we're looking in this at some of those uh, greater documented cases. I want to show you, it's an old one, but this is one of those amazing stories of God's healing power. And we're going to watch that now. And at age when other children were enjoying life's innocent moments, Marlene Clips had to face its cruelest torture. Weighing less than two pounds at birth, she developed cerebral palsy, which left her crippled. At a public school, this wasn't easy. Never made a point night. I mean, because what could you go do? Or, you know, who could you go spend the night with? This wasn't the only tragedy missing young Marlene. When she was a year old, her parents died in a motorcycle accident. She was reared by great-grandparents and later by foster parents. But at 12 years of age, when some friends brought her to a new ground, she committed her life to God. I just thought that if I was born with cerebral palsy, I must be born with it because God created me that way. I didn't realize he wanted people healed. During her teenage years, Marlene suffered numerous spasms caused by muscular surgery. These attacks were sometimes so violent they left her attendants with broken bones. After one severe spasm, Marlene was left almost totally paralyzed. Her vision, along with the rest of her condition, grew progressively worse. As a last resort, in December of 1980, Marlene was taken from her home in Missouri to the World's Finest Hospital, the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. January 5th, 1981. Spasticity has progressed. Spasms infrequent, but can last for weeks. Still will not move before extremities. March 25th. Still has no voluntary finger movement. Marlene has been here for over two months. Finances from her estate are practically depleted at this time. She will be discharged in approximately two weeks' period of time unless there has been significant progress. She will be dismissed to a nursing home in Missouri. Being sent to a nursing home was Marlene's greatest fear. Oh, and as best I could talk, I just yelled at him and I just said, God, stop. In other words, just get out of here. 
but he did. And I you could just feel his love and his presence and it came over him and it was really, really warm. And he showed me a vision that he was gonna heal me. She pleaded with God, felt in favor of all things to have the nurse look at the yellow things in her church next morning. I started flipping through and um, it glowed out the page. It said open Bible, God answered and um, She started asking me lots of questions about what the church believed. And she said, okay, you're the one. You can come see me. And I thought, I can come see you. So skeptical, Scott Anderson answered the call. He arrived at the hospital in a pinstripe suit. Marlene told him he looked identical to the man praying for her in the vision. Emerson then took Marlene to his church. She had to be strapped in because her body was jerky so wildly. Emerson had never had a miracle take place in his church. They gathered around me to pray, and he said, I don't know how to pray. But he asked God to heal me from the top of my head to the top of my toes. And then they asked if I wanted to stand up on faith. Would you like to stand on faith? <laughs> and immediately upon lifting her out of the chair, we began to feel strength coming into her leg. She could hold on the back of the pew and she just left. And my feet hit the floor and I fell to the floor for the first time in my life. Her knees and her toes pointed together. Everything was pointed in. But with each step that she took, they started to straighten out. As her toes and her knees straightened out, she got stronger and stronger. She took a few steps on her own and then was literally running around the church. The Mayo doctors needed only to discharge Marlene to her home in Missouri. From the hospital records, you returned to the rehabilitation unit that evening walking, something you'd never done since your admission to the unit. And when I saw you back at the clinic some weeks later, you'd improved even more, and all signs of previous abnormality were gone. You were able to walk perfectly normal, and your eyesight had improved so much that you did not need to wear spectacles. We were all very thrilled and happy with the outcome of your condition. Marlene's life has been normal now for 15 years. She's attended Missouri Wesleyan College and traveled through the Midwest sharing her amazing story. I was in a desperate situation, and then, you know, there was no place else to go but to Jesus Christ with my life. And, um, here I am. You know, I, I'm healed. I'm, I've always believed in the power of God and I've read the Bible stories like the, the lame man that Peter and John said in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And the Bible says a man was walking and leaping and praising God. We were seeing that happen, not something 2,000 years ago, but something that day. Amen. Uh, so the question today uh, we want to look at is, uh, is it God's will to heal me? Maybe you are here and uh, you, there's something in your body that's not uh, normal. And so one of the big questions we always ask, God, is it your will to heal me? And, um, and uh, usually when I talk about a controversial subject, I like to give you uh, an overview of the different views within Christianity 
on how different perspectives answer these kinds of questions. Because one of the reasons there sometimes is a lot of disunity in Christianity is because sometimes Christians who get very angry at another theological perspective, uh, they get angry at it without actually understanding it. And the more we can understand different perspectives of how Christians look at things, it helps ask questions, it helps engage, and it helps, uh, to me, bring, bring greater unity. And so I look at four general views on, on healing, and a few notes is, I mean, there have been books written on this. Uh, it would take probably a year of teaching to properly uh, ex uh, explain these, these views to you. And so you're going to leave here with lots of questions. Uh, you're going to leave here with, well, what about that? And, uh, and that's good. There's no way I can cover it all. But hopefully this will inspire you to want to learn more and to study more and to discuss with each other. Hey, what do you think about that? I didn't agree with that, but maybe this. And so this is a, a really broad overview. There are a lot of other views other than these four, but these are four. If you were to pool them into four main categories, these are the four that I would pool them into. And so the first one I would call the uninformed view. And I was this at one time. Uh, this view is... Uh, the kind of view that we're, you kind of think that God doesn't really care much about your body. That God's really into the spiritual things. He loves that you're connected with God and that you're forgiven. But when it comes to your physical body, he's not really all that into your physical body, uh, this, this view would say. Uh, this view would say, uh, and it comes out of just never really studied. Uh, they've never really studied a lot on healing. Uh, they've just have developed ideas, maybe from what they've seen, maybe a little sermon they've heard, and so they haven't really studied healing, so they kind of think they know about healing, but they, 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 they don't really know. Uh, this view, these people would sort of casually pray for healing sometimes. Uh, it'd be very casual, but uh, they don't place a lot of faith in God being able to heal, but it's the right Christian thing to do. And so if someone's sick, you know, you know, God, you know, pray, I pray healing of this person, but really give the doctors wisdom. Because this category, they uh, tend to have more faith in doctors than in Jesus. Uh, again, when, when they're sick, the very first thing they do is not come up to prayer on a Sunday morning. The very first thing they do is they make a doctor's appointment. Because Jesus isn't going to help me, but I, I think the doctors might. And so uh, they, they have more faith in doctors. And doctors are good, and we should go to the doctor. Uh, but often out of this view, uh, their hope and their salvation for their, their healing is found in physical doctors rather than in Jesus. Uh, they often will pray and act in contradiction. Uh, this view, people will often pray if someone's sick, uh, you know, God, if it's your will, would you heal this person? Uh, but if it's not your will, uh, just give them comfort. Uh, amen. And then they look at the person, oh, you're still sick. Well, I guess it must be God's will that you're sick. But the very next day, that sick person goes and makes a doctor appointment. Uh, doctor, I have this problem because you help me. But they've just concluded from their prayer that it's God's will for them to be sick. So then why are they going to the doctor? Because if they're going to the doctor, they're fighting against God's will. Because if they really believe it was God's will for them to be sick, you should not go to the doctor because you're fighting against what God is doing. And so often people will act and pray in contradiction. And just simply conclude it must be God's will, but they'll still try to have healing. That's contradiction. God really does care about your body. It's a clear testimony of Scripture. Uh, one day God is going to glorify your body, and He's going to renew your body, and, and, and he, uh, you're going to have a physical body for all eternity. God cares a lot about your body. And again, 
When we go back to Jesus, this is what we see in Jesus. He sees the sick, he has compassion on them, and he heals them. He doesn't say, well, I don't really care about your body, but you know, you should know God, I don't care about your body. He did. And so this is the uninformed view. And if you kind of find yourself there, I would encourage you to really study more. Read some books on healing, uh, devour the scripture, uh, uh, just read about it and learn more uh, if, you're, if you find yourself in the uninformed view. The next major view, and this view comes out of people who have often thought through this a little more, is called uh, the cessationist view. And this view, it, it says it is rarely God's will for people to be healed of sickness and disease. God no longer grants gifts of healing or miracles. And so these people would say uh, that God very, very rarely heals. He, he may heal in some, some cases, but usually he doesn't. And there's no such thing as uh, gifts of healing or gifts of miracles anymore. Uh, they would look at the thousands of testimonies every day of people being healed, and they would kind of say, you know, those people are probably, it's probably psychosomatic, or, you know, they're probably just delusional, or something like that, because uh, healings don't really fit into their theology, except for in the rare case. Uh, this view often comes um, uh, from a lack of experience, or it comes through abuse, or, which I haven't noted here, it comes out of our Western worldview. And our Western worldview, just by the nature of us being born in the West, we often don't put a lot of weight in the supernatural. We love the natural. We love the things we can taste and touch and see. And so when someone is miraculously healed, we want to like, well, we want to kind of doubt that it was actually God and try to find some practical reason because that's where we are. Mm -hmm. You go to a place like Africa, it's the exact opposite. Uh, they have all their faith in the spiritual world, but they doubt the, often sort of the physical world. And, and, and so if, if uh, you know, someone had a, a, a tumorous lump in their arm and the next day it disappeared, here in the West we'd say, well, maybe it was some funny coincidence or something. Maybe you ate something, you know, some practical answer. And, and we kind of doubt the spiritual thing. There, uh, they would say, well, it's God. Uh, it, it was the witch doctor or something spiritual. They just think that way. But also cessation is often uh, because of lack of experience. Uh, they would say, I've prayed for so many people, I've never seen anybody heal. I've gone to church for 30 years, I have never seen someone healed. And so they conclude, well, God, I guess he doesn't heal. And let me make this note and make it very strongly. Our theology is not to come from experience. Our theology comes from the word of God. Uh, the word of God trumps our experience. If God says he's a healing God, and yet we don't see it in, in our experience, then maybe our experience is wrong, or we're not in the right places, or something is there, because uh, this book is, is truth. And so our theology doesn't come from experience, it comes from the Word of God, though all of our uh, experiences do shape our theology, if you're actually honest with that. Uh, or a lot of people will bend towards cessations because of abuses. They'll see how the healing ministry is abused or, you know, uh, how people are blamed that they're sick. And, you know, if you just had enough faith, then you'd be well or something like that. And, and so that's just, that's just so horrible. I just want to run the opposite way. And so they end up in this place where I guess God doesn't heal. That's the cessationist view. Uh, Phil Moore said this about the cessationist view. The cessationist view on healing is very sincere, but it is also very unhealthy and damaging. It performs so many exegetical contortions that it actually devalues the very scripture it aims to protect. Uh, and the big issue with cessationism is there is not a single 
verse in the whole Bible to support it. This idea that they would say that somehow uh, that, that healings were needed for Jesus, they were needed for the apostles, but after we have the Bible, we don't need them anymore. Uh, if Jesus needed them and the apostles needed them, I think we need them too. Uh, and, and there's not a single verse in this book that says that those things should ever stop. Um, uh, so it, it, it devalues scripture. In addition, since Paul writes that unless signs and miracles have been part of his preaching around the Roman Empire, then he would have not have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. We find that it actually dares to tamper with the gospel which was given us by Jesus Christ. And we see that in the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of the apostles, uh, that the gospel was, was, yes, the kingdom of God is here, and, and yes, you can be saved and have a right relationship with God, but it also often accompanied uh, miracles. Do you know that almost every person that came to Jesus, uh, somehow there's some sort of miracle involved? Because miracles are important because they actually wake us up to the reality of God. I mean, ever try to convince someone about the truth of Jesus with your words? I mean, often it, it only goes so far, but when they all of a sudden their sore arm that they had for 20 years is healed, all of a sudden they're like, oh, wait a second. Maybe, maybe, maybe there is something to this. <laughs> and that seems to be the way that the apostles and Jesus carried out their ministry. Uh, the second view is on the exact opposite end. And this would be the, the classic Pentecostal view. Uh, and they would say, yes, it is always God's will to heal. Every time, absolute. If you're sick and diseased, it is absolutely God's will for you to be healed. Now, they don't doubt that people never die or they don't die of old age. They would say, you know, that's just part of life. But, but if you're young and sick and not well, it, it is God's will for you to be healed. So they would say, uh, if we will give ourselves to God in the right way, a surrender, if we have any sin, we put it away. Anything that's blocking God from flowing in our life, we need to get rid of that. We meditate on healing scripture. We confess them as God's certain promises. Then we should have faith for healing. God's promise of healing is absolute. And so if we uh, surrender and present ourselves in the right way, and we do what we can to remove roadblocks, which we'll talk about next week, uh, that we should uh, see healing. Uh, uh, in this view. And so if someone is not healed, they would say it is never on God's side. That it's always somewhere else. Now, often people really misrepresent this view. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I had someone send out an article they had written, and they just completely misrepresented this view. Often people, when they see this view, only look at the abuses if you live outside of this realm. Because there are abuses of this view, just as there are abuses of every view. But the abuse of this view is if it's never on God's side, and it's always God's will to be healed, the abuse is, if you're not healed, then, then you just don't have enough faith. Now, it, it may be, that's possibly one of the reasons, because uh, Jesus did talk about sometimes that your faith has healed you, but they would say the only reason you're not healed is, is, is because you lack faith, and if you just had enough faith, you would be healed. That, that's abusive. Wise people who hold this view will say, yes, it is always God's will, it's never on God's side if someone is not healed. And if someone's not healed, then, yeah, we should investigate. Is it a sin issue? Is it, is it a faith issue? Is it uh, Satan or demons? Is, is it some other issue? But if they're not healed, they leave it in the realm of mystery. Uh, that we need to be very careful about blaming people because there's a lot of reasons why someone might not be healed. And so that's the, the wise position within the classic Pentecostal, uh, Pentecostal view. But they would say it is always God's will for you to be healed. And because some of you might be un unfamiliar with this view, let me 
uh, highlight some of the reasons they say this. Uh, point number one, they would say that healing is in the atonement. Now, pretty much all Christians believe healing is in the atonement. Some people say, you know, accuse them of saying uh, that, but all Christians believe it in, in, in some sense. This comes from Isaiah 53. By the way, the atonement just means Jesus' work on the cross, that he died for us, that we might have a right relationship with, with God. In Isaiah 53, it says this. And this is a prophecy of Jesus being on the cross. It says, he lifted up our illnesses. He carried our pain, or as Septuagint says, our diseases. Even though uh, he was being punished, attacked by God, and afflicted for something he had done. He was wounded because of our rebellious deeds, crushed because of our sins. He endured punishment that made us well. Because of his wounds, we have been healed. And so they would say, on the cross, when Jesus died, he didn't just die for our forgiveness. He didn't just die so that we would have a right relationship with God. But he also died for our sickness and disease. That just as he died for our, 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 our sins, he also desired, died for our sickness and disease. Because it says here, by his wounds we have been healed. And, and he lifted up our illnesses and he carried our pain or our, our, our disease. And they would say that that was part of the cross. And, and just as you can be saved through the cross, you can be healed through the cross. Now, some people say, well, no, this is just all spiritual. It's not, not, not talking about physical uh, sickness. It's just talking about spiritual sickness. The big issue with that is, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew quotes Isaiah 53 in the context of physical healing. He quotes it in physical healing. This is what it says. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill the atonement passage of Isaiah 53. That was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took up our illnesses and bore our diseases. That Matthew, and by the way, the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. Uh, Matthew says that part of the atonement was physical healing. Yeah. And so this view says physical healing is part of the atonement. Just as you can be saved from your sin and have a right relationship with God, you can be healed through the work of Jesus on the cross. Now they would also note that it's not only physical healing, but it's also it's, it's both, because Peter says this, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. And so they'd point to the, the physical body aspect, but also the spiritual aspect. But they would say, healing is in the atonement. And just as you can be saved from your sin, you can be saved from sickness and disease. Second, uh, or we see this Assemblies of God, for instance, which is the largest Pentecostal denomination, by the way. We see it right in their statement of belief. De divine healing is an integral part of the gospel. Deliverance from sickness is provided for in the atonement and is the privilege of all believers. Point number two, they would say just as salvation can be claimed because of the cross, so can our physical healing. Uh, they point to a text like Psalm 103. Uh, Praise the Lord, uh, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sin and heals all your disease. So in the, in the same context, he talks about the forgiveness of sin and healing our, and our disease, uh, and that comes through Jesus. And so just as we receive forgiveness, they can say, you can also be physically healed. Now, a lot of people say, well, if I can just be physically healed, and if that's God's will all the time, well, why aren't I healed then? 
They will point to scriptures like this, 2 uh, Peter chapter 3. Uh, God does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come <coughs> to repentance. Or 1 Timothy 2, God our Savior who wants all people to be saved. They'll say, it is absolutely God's will for every single person to be saved. Uh, God wants all people to be saved. I think, I think that's pretty clear. <laughs> he does not wish for anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. God wants every single person to be saved, but uh, not everyone's saved. It's God's will for everyone to be saved, but there's free will and not everyone is saved. And so they would say the same with sickness and disease. It is God's will for every single person to be healed, but not everybody's healed. And so that's the way that they would work that. Point three. Uh, because sickness is part of the curse and part of the fall of man which came through Adam, then it must therefore have been undone through the finished work of Jesus, the last Adam. And so in the Bible, Jesus is called the last Adam because he reversed what the first Adam brought into this world. The first Adam brought in sin, uh, the, this fallen world, but also sickness and disease. Jesus came in to reverse the curse. And so they say, well, if Jesus came to reverse the curse, that, that's not just... Uh, sin, but it's also all the stuff that is broken. And so, again, they would point to the idea that uh, it is God's will to be healed. Point number four, uh, all the suffering texts in the New Testament. What about all the suffering texts in the New Testament? Uh, this is what this view would say. Suffering in the New Testament means opposition or persecution, not sickness. All the passages of suffering, and this is true, by the way, all the, the passages on suffering uh, they're often centered around persecution from, uh, from the world and, and from non-Christians, not talking about physical sickness. So suffering in the New Testament means opposition or persecution, not sickness. There are several biblical responses to opposition or persecution that you see in the Bible. You can endure it patiently. There's lots of texts like that. You can flee from it like they did in the book of Acts. You can pray that it won't happen. But the New Testament response to sickness is always... Pray for it to be healed. That's what Jesus did. And so they would say that, 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 that we're going to have persecution. And we're going to be... Uh, lots of people on this earth who are Christians suffer because of persecution. Jesus said that's going to happen. In this world you're going to have trouble. But that wasn't talking about sickness and disease. That they would separate those, those two. And, uh, and, and there's a lot of merit to that. So in the end, uh, from Kingdom Warriors, they would say this to this view. Understanding this truth gives us immense freedom... Because no longer do we have to doubt and wonder whether it is God's will to heal a person at any given time. Instead, every time we see a sick person, we know that it is God's will to heal that person undoubtedly. Our job then is to simply lay hands and command healing because Jesus has already paid for their healing by his stripes. And so they would look at anyone who was sick and they would just pray for them. And, and, and uh, even non-Pentecostals will gladly agree that most of the healings you see in the world today are from this view. And, uh, and the reason is, and even non-Pentecostals will, will just agree, is because they pray for more people who are sick. <laughs> uh, they're just always praying for people because they're just like, it's always God's will for this person to be healed. So everybody around who is sick, they're like, I'm going to pray for you. And they, and they pray and they command healing. And, and they just simply see a lot more healings than, than any other view out there. And even sensationists will... Well, say that even though we say they're kind of delusional, but they all say this, it's an easy view because it's simple. God wants everybody healed. And anyway, on the other hand, the cessationist view, it's kind of a simple way too, because they're like, it's usually not God's will to be healed. And so I don't really have to pray for the sick. 
Uh, I never have to ask, ask the question, is it God's will to, for them to be healed or not? Because usually it's God's will for them to be sick. And so kind of two easy perspectives, but on opposite end. Now there's one uh, that is kind of in the middle, but much more close, uh, closer to the Pentecostal view. And this is the classic charismatic view. And the word charismatic just means that you believe in the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of healing and miracles and, and tongues and those kinds of things talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That God still does miracles. This is a classic charismatic view. It would agree with all, most of the stuff in the Pentecostal view with some slight tweaks. And they would say, they would put it this way. It is the general will of God to heal, but we don't always see healing in this lifetime. So they would say it's generally the will of God. So they would still say that whenever you pray for someone, you should pray for healing because you know it's generally God's will for them to be healed. But they would say that uh, that healing doesn't always happen in this lifetime. Uh, John Wimber, for instance, who started the vineyard, who had one of the biggest healing ministries in history, uh, came more out of, this, out of this view. And so they would say, yes, there is healing in the atonement, but every blessing that comes from the atonement is not experienced now. We'll experience every blessing, but some of those blessings will be fully realized in heaven. And so they would make a distinction on the kingdom of God uh, in this way. That the kingdom of God is here, but not yet. And the Bible says this. Uh, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come with power. The kingdom of God is here right now. It's true. The kingdom of God is absolutely here. But the Bible also says, your kingdom come, your will be done as on earth as it is in heaven. That this idea that the fullness of the kingdom is not here. Uh, because we haven't got our glorified bodies yet. I mean, not though the world isn't perfect yet. The fullness of the kingdom isn't here, but we're seeing it, but, but not the fullness. And so they would place um, sickness in this category. That yes, it is, they would say, it's either always God's will to heal or generally God's will to heal, because that's what you see in Jesus. But sometimes it's always not always manifest in this world because um, the kingdom is here, but not yet. And here, here's uh, Sam Storms. He comes from this view. He says this way. May we conclude that there is healing in the atonement. Of course, were it not for Jesus making an atonement for sin, we would have no hope for healing in any form, either now or later. The redemptive suffering of Jesus at Calvary is the foundational and source of every blessing, whether spiritual or physical. To ask, is there healing in the atonement, is like asking, is there forgiveness of sins in the atonement? Or, is there fellowship with God in the atonement? Everything we receive from God finds its ultimate source in what Christ did for us on the cross. Therefore, the question is not whether our bodies receive healing because of the atonement of Christ, but when. We are forgiven of our sins now because of Christ's atoning death, but we await the consummation of our deliverance from the presence of sin when Christ returns. In other words, we're, we're forgiven, but we, we, st we still sin. We still haven't seen the fullness of the kingdom. We experience fellowship with God now because of Christ's atoning death, but we await the consummation of that blessed relationship when Christ returns. We profit immensely now from the Spirit's work in our hearts, but who would dare suggest that uh, what the Holy Spirit is doing in this age is all that we'll ever do? And so they will say, uh, we experience the kingdom now, we can experience healing now, but sometimes people won't experience that healing until the fullness of the kingdom. And that's kind of the, 
the classic charismatic view. And, and often those in this view will, will say, but you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful in this view that we don't put on the, on the, all the weight on the kingdom is coming. And therefore, we don't have to pray for the sick. Or we shouldn't pray with faith. Because the reality is the kingdom of God is here. And Jesus taught us to pray, your will in heaven be done here on earth. And it, there's, there's no sickness in heaven. There's no disease in heaven. And, and we're praying that that would be the reality in our midst and, and our reality here on, on earth. Now, me personally, because there's lots of different views out there in between, uh, I prefer uh, this language. This is the language I use when it comes to healing. Uh, healing is God's ideal will for his people. And I pray that when I pray for someone, I believe it's God's ideal will for this person to be healed. That Jesus, you just see that he has compassion on the sick and he prays and heals the sick. That is God's ideal will every time for someone to be healed. But because of this fallen world, God's ideal will is not always done. And so we pray with faith and if someone's not healed, we pray again. If they're not healed, we pray again. Uh, but we never blame a person. Because there's a lot of mysteries in this world and why someone's not, not healed. Now, often people who come from a, a more positive position of healing, that it's always God's will or his general will or his ideal will, however you theologically put that, uh, people also say, well, what about these texts? First Timothy 5. Uh, Timothy is sick here. Uh, uh, Paul says, use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Or 2 Timothy 4. Paul says, I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. And in Philippians 2, Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus, uh, Indeed, he was ill and almost died. And so they will say, well, if it's always God's will to heal, why are these people sick in the New Testament? Surely Paul prayed for Timothy to be healed. And if it was God's will for him to be healed, then why did he still have stomach sicknesses? Surely uh, Paul pray prayed for Trophimus. Why did Paul have to leave him sick? Uh, surely Paul prayed for Epaphroditus. Uh, uh, but, but why did he get ill and almost die if it was God's will? Again... And my answer to that question is, it is God's ideal will for someone to be healed. But just because someone isn't healed doesn't mean it wasn't God's will. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty much every page of the Bible, you'll find uh, something in here where God, it's God's will, but it doesn't happen. I mean, God never wills for you to sin, but you sin. God never wills for you to gossip, but we gossip at times. Again, God desires that everyone does planet is saved, but uh, his will is not always done. Uh, there, there is this world of free will. There is this world of complications. And actually, we're going to talk about this, that if it's God's ideal will for people to be healed, well, why aren't I not healed? We're going to talk about that next week. Uh, but it's easy uh, to look at these. I left Trophimus sick in my leaders. I'm surely, I would think it was God's will to heal him, but, but he wasn't healed. It wasn't on God's side, but perhaps there was something else going on. Maybe a spiritual thing. It just could be part of this broken world. <laughs> Paul tells Timothy to use wine because of his illness. If you say, well, it must have been God's will for Timothy to be sick because he wasn't healed, then Paul is sinning by telling Timothy to drink wine. Because if you say, it's, it's, it, well, it must be God's will for Timothy to be sick, then why would Paul tell Timothy to, to make it better? Because you'd be going against God's will. Again, this is like saying, well, I guess it's God's will for me to be sick. And then going to the doctor, well, I don't agree with your will. I'm going to do my own thing. That's, that's called rebellion. Uh, uh, maybe there's something else going on. I mean, this world is a lot of mysteries. And part of the problem with our theology 
often is we want to have everything so black and white and laid out that we don't leave enough room for the mystery of this broken world. And so, uh, and, and, and Epaphroditus, well, actually, it says at the end, God had mercy on him. He was healed in the end. Now, uh, I just want to end with this. Why, why would I conclude that it's God's ideal will for people to be healed? Well, I'm just going to read through a bunch of reasons. Uh, in the Bible, sickness is never promised as a blessing, but good health is. Jesus does not touch healthy people and make them sick. God is good all the time. Amen. He is perfectly loving and perfectly good. And so if God were to will, like, cancer on somebody, then you would have to say, well, that's a good thing. But we never see Jesus doing that. We never say Jesus saying to someone, you know, I love you so much, I'm going to give you cancer. You just don't <laughs> see that. You always see him healing. Uh, God reveals himself clearly as a heal healer throughout the scriptures. God reveals himself as a good, loving father, and us as dearly loved children. I mean, just imagine your son or daughter who you love so much. Would you ever say, I just really, really, really want you to be sick? Mm. Uh, we don't do that. When we love our kids, we, we want them to be, to be blessed. Uh, sickness in the Bible is associated with evil, sin, and disobedience, and a result of this fallen world, not a blessing from God. When the Bible speaks of suffering, it is overwhelmingly speaking of persecution, not sickness. The clear inclusion of physical healing in the atonement, uh, the healing ministry of Jesus, we've talked about that. Uh, there is no sickness before the fall and will be no sickness in heaven. In those places where God's will is done perfectly, there is no sickness. And we are to be here and now saying, your will in heaven be done on earth. Uh, and that's, that's God's will. Uh, in times of revival and heightened spiritual passion, healing is much more frequent. Uh, there are times when, as the Old Testament says, that the heavens are rend and, and there's revival. And we did a series on that last year, how nations were changed. And whenever God's spirit is poured out and nations are changed and, and thousands of the hundreds of thousands come to Jesus, there's always, as there's more awareness of the spirit, there seems to be a lot more healing. God gives the church gifts of healing. Uh, he doesn't give the gift of sickness. In other words, there's not people walking around with the gift of giving sickness. But there are people who walk around with the gift of healing. Again, that, that, that kind of points to what God's will is. God commands the sick to receive prayer with an expectancy to be healed. And it's what James 5 says. And, and by the way, this, this is set up like a command. This is because God's heart. God's, I believe God has compassion on anyone here who is not uh, well in their body. And so God, because he loves his kids, he says this to them. Is any among you sick? Are any of you sick today? Is any of you have something in your body that's just not 100%? And probably a lot of us do. And, and I got things with my mind that I don't think are perfect. But, uh, but he says this. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. And I don't think this means that you just call like our SLT, but I think this means you call people who love Jesus, who you know who are walking in faith, you know that they're walking in obedience and a surrendered life. You want people who are, who are living for Jesus, you get those people around you. Those are the people you call. You call the elders or, or people who are in love with Jesus and following up the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil. Gary's always got oil if he needs them. <laughs> Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And notice what it says. And the prayer offered in faith. Notice this is not the faith of the sick person. 
but of the people praying. That's why you be careful about blaming. Well, it's just because sometimes it's the people praying who need the faith, as in here. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Notice the language. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. It doesn't say, and the prayer offered in faith will maybe make the sick person well, because sometimes it's God's will and sometimes it's not. It doesn't say that. It's, it's, it's very clear. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. It just seems to be the clear testimony all through the scriptures that God's ideal will is for people to be healed. And I just want to leave you with a clip from uh, Dr. Michael Brown, who I appreciate in so many ways, who is answering this question as well. Every time I pray for a sick person, believer or non-believer, my attitude is that God wants to heal this person. My presupposition is God wants to heal this person, especially within the body, especially a child of God. Now, now let me explain you why I feel that way. Let me explain this to you as clearly as I can. And, and then give you some caveats so you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But through the scripture, God has revealed himself as the healer. The sickness in and of itself is bad. Healing in and of itself is good. He revealed himself as Israel's healer in chapters like Exodus 15 and Exodus 23 and Deuteronomy 7. And this is praised by the psalmist in passages like Psalm 103 and, and Proverbs rehearses this in passages like Proverbs 3 and Proverbs 4. You'll find all the verses there as you look into it. And the vision of the prophets was for the whole person to be wholly healed as we, we see in passages like Isaiah the 53rd chapter. And then we see in the ministry of Jesus that he says he can only do what he sees the Father doing in John 5. And yet he goes about healing the sick and driving out demons. As, as Peter explains in Acts the 10th chapter. And then we have a verse like James, Jacob, chapter 5, which says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call to the elders of the congregation. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. You just don't do it. And you pray in faith because you expect and believe that the person will be healed. And they're obviously seriously ill enough that you have to go to them instead of them coming to you. And they're going to be raised up from their sickbed. So my presupposition is healing is the will of God. My presupposition is not, I don't know if God wants to heal or not, so let me ask the Lord, should I pray for this person or not? The same way you go to the doctor with the presupposition that the doctor wants to help you get well. That's the same way you go to the great physician with the presupposition that the great physician, Israel's prophet, divine healer, wants you to be well. Now, many times we pray and we don't see answers. That does not mean the person is in sin. That does not mean the person is lacking faith. Sometimes there is sin. Sometimes there is lack of faith. Sometimes it's lack of faith of the one praying. But we often don't know why someone isn't healed. So this is what I do. I'm going to praise God, the healer, just the same. I'm going to pray for the sick, just the same. I'm going to encourage them to love God and praise God in the midst of their sickness and tell them that no matter where it came from, no matter what caused the sickness, God can cause us to grow in the midst of it. And even if it was an attack from Satan meant for evil, what Satan means for evil, God can use for good. But I will continue to stand with that person and pray for them and ask them for as long as we both have breath, because that is my presupposed understanding that God desires to bring healing to a sick and hurting world. 
Hey, by the way, Dr. Brown, he's, uh, he's one of the, the most full, foremost experts in the area of biblical healing, did his doctoral, doctoral, uh, doctoral work in that, uh, in that area. And so uh, uh, I just continue to encourage you that if you uh, need healing, to follow what the Bible commands you to do. And, uh, and, he, and this is a commandment of love from God, that, because God has this heart for healing, that you get prayer. And uh, you go, uh, come up here uh, during the last worship song or uh, after the service and allow people to pray for you, to pray a healing over you. Um, you can ask people around you to, to pray healing over you. Uh, but I really do believe God, uh, he has a heart to see people healed. Amen. Next, we're going to talk about uh, the question, well, why aren't people sometimes healed? We, we pray for them and they're not healed. Uh, why is that? And then... Uh, further down the line, we do one more message talking about how, how to pray for the sick and how to pray for those who are not well in their bodies. And so I got the worship team up. Again, just to encourage you, we're talking about healing of, of, of physical uh, sickness and disease, but there is a healing that we need more than any other healing, and that is healing spiritually between us and God. And uh, if you don't know Jesus this morning, I would encourage you. Uh, to open your heart to the one who loves you, to open up uh, your heart to the one who wants to uh, forgive your sin and to, to breathe new life into you and to, and to be someone who is there for you each and every day. And, uh, and if you just want to invite Jesus into your heart, you can just pray a simple prayer uh, like this. Uh, Jesus, uh, I'm sorry for the sin that I've committed. I'm sorry that I have rebelled against you. Uh, God, I ask you to forgive me right now all my sin and I thank you for that forgiveness I thank you that I am clean and I invite you Jesus to, to come into my life I want to follow you and Holy Spirit I invite you into my life to fill me full of your power and so God would you lead me from this day forward in Jesus name Amen and God we pray for anyone in this room who is not well in their body we pray Father that you would just show yourself as the healer today. Uh, God, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would touch those in this room who are not well. And people who come for prayer, God, that you be especially present there. Uh, that, that we would sense your presence powerfully. God, that maybe even as we're worshiping here and just singing this last song, that we, we sing of the beautiful name of Jesus, that you would just touch us as we're singing and, and that, that we'd be healed as we sing. So, Father, do your work in us spiritually as the healer. Do us uh, work in us emotionally as the emotional healer. Do your work in us physically as the physical healer. We surrender to you. And, God, we just give you these last moments, these last minutes, all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You will.